When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 94 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne. Uh, without Cully today, he is uh, on daughter duty, but I am joined by Ryan Jury, voice of the Guelph Storm up in the OHL. <clears throat> Ryan, thanks for hopping on. Big news out of uh, for Buffalo tonight, um, or today, sorry, uh, after losing uh, in the uh, semifinal of the uh, Frozen Four to get to the final, which we played tomorrow, uh, Michigan losing 3-2 to two to Denver uh, in overtime. Uh, it has just been initially a broken uh, by uh, Kevin Weeks poolside. I uh, did his video poolside um, and just now confirmed by Lance Lyashowski, beat writer for the Buffalo Sabres, that uh, Owen Power is a officially a Buffalo Sabre. Um, immediate reaction there, Ryan. You know, we've talked about him quite a bit on this show uh, before. Um, you know, what is your immediate reaction and what could this do for Buffalo's blue line going forward? It's a big ad. I mean, plain and simple, this, this is a massive addition. And I I mean, you're going to have to temper expectations. I, I hope people aren't expecting him to step in and be, you know, what Rosmus Dahlin has turned into now. That's where his ceiling is. He's got really high-end potential. But I, I certainly hope that people aren't expecting him to walk in and be Scott Niedermeyer or something like that. But for right now, he's... Definitely an improvement over some of the other guys that play on the blue line for Buffalo. No disrespect to them, certainly talent-wise. And in the future and going forward, like this kid projects to be a top two, probably running shotgun potentially with Ross Mistaline, depending how Buffalo's blue line shakes out. A top two defenseman that can anchor your blue line, play on the power play, and be an effective weapon offensively and in his own zone because he's got great size. He's got a great defensive stick. Uh, He's not afraid to use his size and be physical. And he's not afraid to jump out in front of the net and get involved offensively. He's an extremely smart player. He reads the ice really, really well. He's already got NHL-level hockey IQ. Um, he's going to be a tough guy to beat in terms of getting around him one-on-one with that big rangy body, that long stick that he's got. He's going to add so much to the Sabres blue line, uh, as you'd expect from a number one pick and a guy that has shown at every single level that he's basically better at his position than every other one of his peers 
in that level. He showed it in the USHL. He showed it in college hockey. He showed it at the World Juniors briefly. We'll see if he goes back this summer. I, I would imagine the Sabres will let him go in August to the tournament. It's something he's really passionate about representing his country. He's shown at every level that he is head and shoulders the best defenseman in that age group. And he's going to be able to show it at the NHL level now. And it's exciting. And Buffalo fans should be excited. Yeah, I am through the roof. Uh, thinking about the potential of, you know, I don't know. And I, like, I know they both play the same side. So I don't think that you'll see Darlene and Power together. Or maybe they will experiment that. Maybe they'll see if one of them can play both sides. I mean, we'll see. I do know Kevin Adams has been a little outspoken about trying to find a a D partner for uh, an Owen power. Um, uh, Ryan, sorry. He just had to step out there for a moment. Uh, I know he's got a work call to get on, but I'll, I'll pick up, I'll pick up the slack for the time being, but uh, he's is, uh, you know, he has been pretty outspoken about trying to find like a veteran defensive partner for, uh, for Owen power. And um, I think that's the right move a hundred percent because you know, I believe Craig Reve has talked about it multiple times. He was kind of like that bridge for the younger defenseman coming in, um, the veteran presence, the guy that could really give you some freedom to play your game. Like we mentioned, you mentioned, like Ryan mentioned, like he has, we've seen him at Michigan really get involved offensively uh, and um, get, get involved defensively in front of the net, around the net, which you love to see, but you might not see that that version of Owen power right from the get go in Buffalo. I mean, I granted they have been playing a lot more aggressively with their blue line, you know, getting them involved in the play, but a kid like him, six foot six, 215 pounds, you might not expect him to play that style immediately right away, either a by through Don Granado's preference or B maybe he's just a little hesitant to play that style. You're making the jump from college to the NHL. That is a massive, massive, massive jump for anybody, literally anybody. So, it's going to be difficult to imagine that he plays that exact same style right from the jump, but it is exciting to think about that, 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 that you're going to get that type of a dynamic out of a blue line, blue liner out, not named Rasmus Dahlin. And this season alone, I mean, he was on, on the verge of, you know, being a Hobie Baker winner this year. Had he not gone to the Olympics in Beijing, um, which is a huge honor. You can't blame him for wanting that, like being able to represent your country like he did in the World Championships and like he would have at the World Juniors on a, on a, on a huge stage. Um, you can't blame guys for that. You know, that's, that's a dream of theirs to wear that sweater, to wear that crust. Um, how can you be mad? It, you know, I, I, I don't blame him at all. Um, and, yeah, maybe it did cost him the Hobie Baker. Same thing with Devin Levi. Maybe it did cost him the Hobie Baker. But, you know, I don't blame the, either of them at all for taking that chance. I know they had the support of their teammates and the organization in Michigan. I'm sure Buffalo gave them the blessing too. like go out there and show what you can do in front of the world. Um, but even even with that, I believe he had 32 points in 33 games. I think it was like, uh, you know, insane, insane numbers for a defenseman, um, a guy his size. And he really stood out this year, especially his skating ability coupled with his size and his ability to use his size to his advantage. He's just been really honestly a breath fresh breath of fresh air to watch a couple other signings too today. Kent Johnson from Michigan has officially signed his entry level deal with uh, the uh, Columbus blue jackets and Owen powers uh, <clears throat> blue line uh, partner in Michigan as well. Nick Blankenberg uh, captain, I believe too, as well. 
of the Michigan Wolverines. He signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets as well, too. So uh, a lot of movement from these college players that have been drafted or haven't been drafted. I'd expect to see a lot more college free agents, guys who are past their draft eligibility, to start signing like right away. Um, I know we have. I know Minnesota lost last night too. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. He could be on the way. Maybe we see Eric Portillo sign next. Who knows? Um, I don't know necessarily what Eric Portillo's uh, plans are. We will see. But um, Ryan Johnson, uh, I believe he was the last or second last pick in 2019 in the first round by Buffalo. Uh, played for Minnesota, had a decent year. Um, maybe a little bit left to be desired, at least to maybe many his expectations. But Ryan Johnson is a guy that maybe I would expect uh, to sign next, maybe his entry-level deal. We have a comment here in the post. Uh, you know, I agree, uh, Pyramid Pitchers. I honestly did not think he would sign so quick. I honestly did too. I was I was texting with some friends last night. And I said, maybe Kevin Adams gives them a day or two to really decompress. And, you know, after a devastating loss like that, especially with all the expectations on Michigan from before the puck was even dropped on the season uh, to lose the way they did in, in, in overtime, I was maybe expecting to give him a day or two to really decompress, but apparently not. He's ready to go right now. And he's be it's it, fittingly enough. He's predicted at least right now to make his Sabres debut in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. That's hilarious too. Like for the the fact that he's gonna play Toronto, it's I mean you almost couldn't script that better. As right. uh, I mean, I I think that and what a challenge for him too because the Leafs offensively are rolling right now, and it's gonna be a, a good early test of his ability at the NHL level. Again, like I I hope that fans and I'm sure they are in Buffalo are smart enough to temper expectations like it might take him defense is the hardest position in my opinion to step into the nhl and do really really well at yep. especially when you're a guy of his kind of skill level where like i mentioned earlier at the start of the show he's used to being literally the best player at his position at whatever level he's played at so yep. i think it's going to take him this is the best league in the world it's going to take him a couple games to settle in but it's a good time of year for him to get into the lineup when the Sabres are feeling good about themselves. They've got a really nice, well-rounded roster to build around for the future. And he's going to be just a giant part of that. So if he steps in and struggles a little bit, you know, don't panic. I, I think he's going to turn into a really, really rock-solid player for the Sabres. Yeah, uh, I just hope we don't try and put the same demands on him as many fans did with Rasmus Dahlin, him being a first overall pick. I think people expected him to be Nick Lindstrom right out the gate. Uh, and a, a, a Hall of Fame uh, Swedish defenseman, a guy who honestly, in my opinion, is probably the greatest defenseman to ever play the game, just all around top to bottom. Guy was just an absolute stud to watch and an anchor for Detroit for so many years. But I, uh, you know, I hope they don't have these high expectations like they did for Dahlin. Like not that things like, those expectations, you know, shouldn't have been there eventually, but they were really demanded of him right away. And people seem to forget that he went through like he was on his he's on his third head coach since coming to the league, you know, between Phil Halsey, Ralph Kruger, and now uh um I'm sorry. Don <laughs> uh, Granado. Uh Donnie Epals. Um just to have be in your third system, your third uh, you know, third different culture, I guess you can say. Um, I just hope that, you know, the stability of the staff around these young players stays stable 
and we don't have any turnover anymore and that you can really give these guys that winning culture to thrive off of going forward to build that winning environment because you haven't been able to do that for a decade and you've drafted four different times in the top two of the NHL draft, twice at second overall and twice at first overall. So there shouldn't be any excuses anymore. Like you, you think you found your guy. It looks like you found your guy. You've shown faith in this GM. Now, full steam ahead, and let's just keep doing what we've been doing. And the Sabres have been very, very impressive since, you know, March going into April. I agree. They have been impressive. And, you know, it's led by guys like Alex Tuck, the future captain, in our shared opinion anyway. And Tage Thompson, we've talked a lot about him and the step forward he's made. I love Dylan Cousins. I think he's great. The white horse or the workhorse from Whitehorse, I should say. Um, they've just got a lot of impressive pieces and Darlene too. And here's the thing, right? That a lot of people that that overreact, I'll say, when when guys like Darlene and potentially power step in and it takes a couple years, you know, everybody isn't Nick Lidstrom. You can't just expect guys, even when they're a first overall pick to walk in and be unreal. Look at Jack Hughes as a forward. Like it's taken him a little while to settle in. It looks like New Jersey has that superstar that they expected, but on that even same team, Nico, he I don't think if we did that draft again, he would be number one. He has turned into a really solid two-way center, but people attach expectations to guys almost unfairly because they look at all the highlights of the guys in their draft year and they saw Darlene dangling around, toe-dragging guys in the Swedish Elite League, making them look silly. No disrespect, that's a really good league. That's the Swedish Elite League. That's not the NHL. In the Swedish Elite League, Rasmus Darlene, when he was playing for Frulunda, was not going up against Victor Hedman every night. He was not going up against Aaron Ekblad every night. He was not going up against Drew Doughty every night. And on the forward core, he was not seeing Patrice Bergeron every night. Okay. So, it, and, and it's really impressive. And people go, well, he was playing against men. He was playing against men. Yeah, he was playing against men. And that's really impressive in terms of his overall strength and his ability to carry the puck confidently and do things that other guys in that league just could not do. But it's not the NHL. And I think a lot of people, especially with European kids, they see them playing in a top league back at home and go, oh, well, they're playing against men over there. How come they're not doing what they did over there, over here? Because the NHL's not over there. This is the NHL. This is the best league in the world. Calm down and let mm -hmm. guys adjust and figure it out, okay? For every guy like Crosby or Ovi or, or Matthews that walks in and light it up right away, we're seeing it this year with Mo Sider, if you want to talk about a defenseman. Moritz Sider played against men for like three years in yep. Germany, and he and he's a rare breed. Hey, I, I, me personally, and Leaf fans will be upset. Uh, if, if Michael Bunting wins the Calder, fine, I don't care. Me personally, if I had a vote, Maurice Sider would be my Calder winner. I am so impressed yeah, with how, how he's stepped in and done that. That's a rare thing. I like people need to realize that's rare for a guy like that to step in. But he had a lot of seasoning playing a ton of minutes. And that's the other thing, too. It's opportunity. A lot of times, guys like Darlene were able to do it because he was such a standout. But a lot of times in those European leagues, it's very veteran-friendly. Younger guys don't get that type of ice time very often. Moritz Sider in the German league, in the Dell, 
benefited from being able to do that, but he didn't start eating up 20, 22 minutes a night until he was 18, 19, 20. When he was first cracking that lineup, he was playing like nine minutes a night. Everybody's different. You can't just go like people get caught up in the comparables draft experts and hockey analysts will go. Owen power projects to look like this guy. And then when he steps into the league and doesn't immediately look like example X, they go, Oh, well, he's, he's a bust. He's a failure. And they, people were doing it with Darlene. People were doing it with Tage Thompson. Not everybody is just because he compares to a guy doesn't mean he's going to step right in and play like that guy right away. Everybody's development curve is different. Look at, look at even a guy. I always reference Tim Thomas as a goalie. That guy was a journeyman. He left the university of Vermont. He was Marty St. Louis teammate. And he journeyed around the earth. It was a suitcase for a minute. Dude, for a minute, like it, yeah. he he said numerous times when he when he got his first Vesna there, and he was really emotional when he received it. He said, "I didn't think, you know, there was a moment there where I thought I I would never be here. I would never make the NHL." And he had a really nice season in Finland. The Bruins gave him a shot, and it turned out that at 32, he was ready to play in the NHL and put together a run of like five or six years that is hard to compare. That guy was 32 when he when he took over an NHL crease. Everybody's different. But Owen Power, he is going to be a really, really good piece. I'm not saying he turns into Scott Niedermeyer or something, but I think that his ceiling is top pair, 25 minutes a night, shutting it down, and unleashing clappers on the power play. Agreed. I uh you know, and there's two, both players are just two different, like you said, different, two different styles of player. Like <clears throat> Ross is Darlene. We saw the highlights leading into his draft class. Like the guy just had silky hands, could really move the puck up and down the ice. Not saying Owen Power, again, they are just two different players. And, you know, Owen Power's type of guy, he stands six foot, I think it's six foot six, I want to say, like 215 pounds. This kid is a mammoth. An absolute mammoth in the blue line. It's what you want in a franchise defenseman. Again, same thing with Ross Dotlin. He has the skill set that you want a franchise defense. But now to have both those guys on your blue line who play two different styles, who can bring two different dynamics to your game, to your team, that's extremely, extremely exciting. Um, and like you said, not only not only is he is Owen Power not just like willing to just be you know a stable blue liner for you but as you mentioned to start the show he's willing to go to the net work in and around the net use his body to his advantage like that those are some things that are, are tough to teach at this age and maybe those are things we didn't necessarily see as much of last year in his freshman year but this sophomore year he really took college hockey and even going back to the world championships took took it all by storm he said he, he made his presence known he certainly did. I mean, you look at his freshman year and he had 16 points in 26 games, which as a freshman defenseman is extremely impressive. He cranked it up this year. I mean, he had 32 points in 32 games. I believe he was plus 26 or 27 for a powerhouse in Michigan. Yeah, and they'll be upset that they lost to Denver, the Pioneers. That's a great program. They've really turned that around the last decade. So give them some credit. But like he and and I mentioned, you know, his time in the USHL, he was dominant there as well. He was head and shoulders better than all of his peers, certainly at his position. He might have even been the best player in that league 
um, when he was playing in the USHL. He is going to be a difference maker. Like, that's the best way I can put it. You know what, honestly, too? He's a little taller than this guy, but the makeup of his game and the way he plays it, he, he does remind me a little bit of my guy, Johnny Carlson. He reminds me a little bit of a left-handed John Carlson. And if the Buffalo Sabres get a left-handed John Carlson, you're going to be pretty damn happy with that. Let me yeah. tell you. The only, the only difference you hope he stays, he hope he stays healthy. <laughs> you got to, yeah, you got to hope he stays healthy for sure. And he's a big kid and he's lanky right now. That's the thing with this guy. He's, he's about, yeah, 213, 215. He's got some more filling out today to do. When this guy starts getting like young man adult strength, when he starts hitting like 21, 22, and mm-hmm. he's really like refined and grown into what his body's going to be as a pro, he's probably going to sit more at like 220, maybe 225. That's a six foot six frame. Like this guy's going to fill out. His quads are going to get bigger. He's going to be doing NHL elite level workouts. The The Sabres training staff are going to take him under their wing and show him the ropes. He is going to be a, like to have a guy that's that big, that rangy and that smart with the puck already grow into his size. That's going to be a really, really intriguing weapon to have. I mean, listen, I know that right shot defenseman there, you know, the flavor, the flavor du jour, everybody wants to find a big right-handed defenseman. I don't really care what way he shoots. He is going to turn into a really unique player a really unique player that any other team in the league would like to have. When you're that big, you can skate that well and you can contribute offensively that well and make a good first pass and be responsible in your own zone and not get beat because you have a reach that not many other players in the NHL have. That's a unique weapon. That's a very unique weapon and the Sabres are going to benefit from that. And uh, I, I really feel that it's it's going to be a great benefit to him that Darlene didn't have in terms of stability of the coaching staff. I don't think Donnie Meatballs is going anywhere. He no. has shown that he can connect with young players. He did it at the U.S. National Team Development Program. He's look at all the guys that have you know gone into the NHL that played in that program that credit him with being a great coach. And look what he's doing now in Buffalo. I think he is the guy. He identifies with that city. The fans love him. And he identifies with his players and is utilizing their best assets on a nightly basis and putting guys in a position to succeed. Rasmus Dahlin has never played better hockey at the NHL level than he has under Donnie Meatballs. And Owen Power is going to benefit from that. Yeah, I can't I can't agree with you more. Um I remember watching a few mission games this year where, I mean, you, you really thought Owen was kind of beat out, especially, you know, coming up, coming up the wall. And the guy just turns it on like that and uses his stick at his reach to his advantage and really boxes people out from getting to the net. It's, it, it was really just as a, as a state, not just a hockey, man, but a Sabres fan watching him be able to play that type of a style of hockey, but then pick the puck up and rush it up the ice with ease. It's just so, so, so exciting, Ryan. Like, it's just, Again, I'm not expecting the world of this kid right now. I'm just not. I think it's unfair to expect like him to sit, go in and play 25 minutes a night and be, you know, what 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 we expected Darlene to be right away. But uh, to see some of the plays he's made, uh, not just at the college level, but the international level, even in the short stint that, you know, I know Canada left a lot to be desired, obviously not meddling uh, in the Olympics, but 
still, he played very, very well with men. Um, he played very, very well in the world championships with men. Um, and you know, you didn't get a huge sample size from him at the international level before all this. And then he go, steps in. You're not really sure what to expect from him. And he, he's the best player on the ice for Canada, like without a doubt. He absolutely was. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Ryan stepping out again. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, with it being a Friday afternoon, people, you know, I know Ryan works from home. He has a lot to do. We do have a couple comments here. Uh, so obviously, he won't be able to play tonight. Is there any word when he will play? Uh, per Lance Lyasowski, I think the expectation will be um, probably at uh, Toronto on Tuesday which is pretty exciting because it really adds to the dynamic of uh, of the uh, the Buffalo-Toronto rivalry. It's slowly been really taking form again. Um, another from kind of forgetting it. So obviously Power won't be able to play tonight. Is there any word? Oh, same question. Sorry. <laughs> uh, as I stated before, um, the expectation will be Tuesday. I do know that uh, he Kevin Adams is expected to uh, address the media at 4 o'clock, just under a half an hour here. So um, I would expect that we'll get our answers right then and there. Um, for me personally, in a perfect world, I want it to be Toronto because I hate the Maple Leafs and to take you know to really put more eyes on that game and really damper uh, another you know a, another potential any movement for the Maple Leafs in the standings. I'm all for it. You know I'm so for ruining their parade. Super excited to. Um, to uh, hopefully uh, see him Tuesday night. And it's just been announced he will wear the number 25. Uh, former guys to wear 25, Mike Greer, uh, Krigorenko. Um, I want to say maybe Voxlov Verado wore 25 as well. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody in the comments there, they can uh, they, they can look that up for me. But I think Voxlov Verado maybe wore 25. Again, I can't remember. But uh, some guys, some Mike Greer, a really beloved Saber, on two different times he played for Buffalo, wore 25. And if it was Verada, I always love Verada. Verada, I mean, I love hearing Rick uh, make make Verada calls during games, uh, especially at home. Um, real fun player to watch. Played with a lot of jam, a lot of grit. And um, uh, and I expect that Sabres fans, now that the Sabres have made official the number that uh, – that, that Owen Power will wear, they will crash shop NHL.com to get their hands on his jerseys by Tuesday. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming those will be on back order for a while. Uh, would be surprising to see anybody in, in a Owen Power jersey come Tuesday, unless they have him fired up and ready to go in the Sabres, uh, Sabres store uh, come to our, you know, not, not Tuesday, obviously that game's in Toronto, but at their first home game. So we will see uh, how that all goes, but just to go over his numbers from this uh, from this past season, uh, you know he had believe thirty two points in thirty three games. As I mentioned before, um, he was uh, kind of snubbed. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say snubbed for the uh, for the uh, the Hobie Baker, but he should have been at least in consideration. Maybe he was, but you know he wasn't included in the nominations, uh, probably because of um, him taking that trip to Beijing to play for team Canada um, again, which I don't blame him for. How can you, but to just bring up his numbers from this past season uh, for university of Michigan. Um, it's funny. They already elite prospects have already updated uh, Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they were quick with that. 
are already part of his 2021-2022 stat line. Obviously, all uh, all dashes for zeros. But uh, 33 games played, 32 points, three goals, 29 assists, 12 penalty minutes. Uh, at the World Juniors, in the two games he played, he had three goals and two assists uh, at the U-20s. Uh, so for five points in two games. Really stood out for Buffalo. I remember actually, I remember um, the one game. Did, did he have a – I think he had a hat trick in that game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a hat trick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. I know Connor Bedard had a pretty phenomenal game too for Team Canada. And then obviously in the Olympic Games, five games played, only one point. But, you know, obviously he didn't show on the score sheet like he did at the World Juniors in the Olympics. But he really stood out as being I, – I think he was the most played player. I think he logged the most ice time for Team Canada in um, all five games um, or pretty damn close to it, which is, you know, that's a high expectation to have of, you know, one of your, you know, your young pieces on that team. Um, you know, it's a big ask for an 18, 19 year old kid, you know, to, to be that guy. I think he's still 19 years old. Um, and, uh, I just, I'm excited. Like I said, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely excited. Um, and, you know, we'll see what Kevin Adams has to say here at 4 o'clock. I'm uh, pretty, pretty, pretty excited. And uh, what's next to come? Will it be Eric Portillo? Will it be Ryan Johnson? I, I can't imagine Kevin Adams is done getting these guys locked up. Because I believe Eric Portillo, after next year, he is eligible to possibly, uh, you know, you know, uh, test free agency, college free agency, because I know that's kind of – in the CBA that college, it works differently for college players than it does if you're drafted like Adam Jr. or Europe or whatever it might be. It works differently, as we remember from Cal Peterson. And when we traded for the rights of Jimmy VC, even though Tim Murray was told he still planned on testing free agency, Tim Murray still traded a third-round pick for Jimmy VC in hopes to get him locked in and under contract before free agency. And then he ended up being, I believe he signed with the Rangers. Um which made Tim Murray look like an idiot. So uh, with that being said, I, I I would hope, I know we've had Eric on the show before. He seems like a kid that's very excited for the next step whenever that does come. I hope that, you know, Kevin Adams is working diligently to really get an idea of what he plans to do. But, uh, you know, am I exactly worried if that doesn't happen, you know, between now and the offseason? No, I'm not. There's a lot of time to get that done. There's a lot of time for Eric. I mean, again, they lost uh, lost a you know a, a season-ending game last night where the expectations were very high for Michigan to start the season. They were expected to be uh, in the Frozen Four final. They were pretty much you know for for Michigan it was you either win the whole thing or it's all for nothing. You know what I mean? Like that was the expectation on Michigan. They were being called like the next version of the uh, college you know Fab Five, the the hockey version which I believe the Fat Five was uh, another Michigan basketball team. Again, I'm very ignorant when it comes to you know college basketball or basketball in general, but I uh, would expect that. I mean, I you know that was kind of the terms I've been throwing around the, the expectations of what this Michigan team was. How many first round draft picks just in this last draft alone that were on this team? Owen Power, Maddie Beniers, Kent Johnson, uh, Brisson uh, was a late first round pick, and Luke Hughes five 2021 first round draft picks on that team alone. So yeah, the expectations were very, very, very high and they fell short. Not to mention you had a NHL prospect in net in Eric Portillo who had a phenomenal year, a 926 save percentage. The kid played on his head. You know, he was a big reason why that game wasn't worse last night. Um, 
you know, I think that uh, if I'm going to, you know, put any blame on anybody, I'm not going to blame anybody, but I, you know, watching Luke, Luke Hughes on the game winning goal, um, he did a little bit of puck watching there instead of taking his man in front and, you know, he got to his own rebound and, you know, uh, buried the, buried the, uh, the game winner off the, the Portillo rebound. A tough spot to be in. I understand that, but you know, one of the top rules of being a defenseman playing in front of your net. Don't watch the puck. Take your guy. Tie him up. Um, you take him out of the play completely when you tie him up, and you know, clear the way for your goalie to see the shot coming from the point, or you know, whatever is happening in front. So that's just my opinion. There was a little puck watching done on that play, and I, uh, I have to believe that, um, you know he would probably would have liked to have done that a little bit differently. Uh, he's pretty upset, broke his stick over the crossbar who wouldn't in that situation, you know, season ending. So I've been there. I've not, not there in that exact spot, but you know, I've had my season end in overtime before uh, in the playoffs uh, once in a triple overtime. And I uh, broke my stick, went to the bench and then broke my other stick. Uh, dad was pretty pissed off because goalie sticks aren't, uh, aren't cheap. They're very expensive. Um, not like today, though. Not like today. They're uh, kind of outrageous. Um, just take a quick look at the Sabres schedule uh, from here going forward. I know, I believe they have the Florida Panthers today. Uh, I believe, let me take a look. I believe the Panthers are on the schedule today. Uh, and we're back. Ryan has joined us again after yes. But I was just talking about, you know, the expectation of what's to come next. I believe the Sabres have the Panthers tonight. And, um, you know, obviously, I guess the expectation. We'll find out from Kevin Adams at 4 o'clock. He's expected to address the media. When Owen will make his debut, he's expected to wear number 25. That has been released by the Sabres. That is the number he has chosen. Uh, number 25, he wore 22 in college. Um, but other, other question marks are guys like Ryan Johnson, Eric Portillo, what their next move is, because I believe after next season, Eric has the option to test free agency, um, as a college, uh, as a college, uh, free agent, uh, Ryan Johnson, a 2019 pick, he might also be in the same boat, but, uh, I just, um, I wonder, you know, what Kevin's mindset is. I hope he, I'm, I'm assuming he's being diligent on having those conversations with those players and their agents to try and get them locked in. One less thing to worry about, especially after a huge, not not a huge, a huge move, yes, but an expected move with Owen uh, to get those guys locked in and try and secure the future, at least a net for Buffalo for, for time to come. Because I'm pretty positive that after next season, Devin Levi does plan on signing with Buffalo. Uh, per, you know, my conversation with him on the podcast and just conversations in private. Yeah. And that wouldn't be surprising. Right. And they, they need, you know, Buffalo, the thing with them, that's the reason they've taken so long to accrue talent and be good again is because they've drafted so poorly <sighs> over mm -hmm. the last decade. Plus, you know, that more than anybody, yeah. Dwayne, they just have. And I'm interested to see how long they can keep this up because they've got some good quality guys available to them in their system. But we all know that the Pagulas basically gutted their scouting staff. The, the Sabres essentially have nobody scouting Europe, which is wild to me. Uh, because I agree. The, the guy that's probably got the highest talent ceiling on their team in Rasmus Dahlin is Swedish. It makes absolutely no sense. You know, you look back in history and you wonder why the Detroit Red Wings were so good for so long. It's because of a guy named Hacken Anderson. 
one of the greatest, if not the greatest European scout in NHL history. You want to know how they found Datsuk in the seventh round or the sixth round was Datsuk? That guy. You want to know how they found Zetterberg in the seventh round? That guy. Filpula, Hoodler, Franzen, all these big guys that came through Detroit and kept them competitive for 25 straight years of playoffs. It's that guy. You have to scout. And more than anything in the salary cap era, you have to scout even better now. You need consistent young guys that go through their entry-level contracts and are ready to at some point step in and contribute to your NHL roster because when you pay the big superstars, guess what? The lower end of your roster has got to be filled out with guys that are young, cheap, and ready to play. So I'm interested to see if Buffalo can you know, kind of keep this going. They've done well in scouting here. I wonder how much it will hurt them unless they plan on now that they've got this shiny new Bills stadium, if they plan on re-adding some scouts, I, I would highly suggest they do. But I right now, Devin Levi. Is, I know some of that money is being delegated to Buffalo, uh, the Sabres. I'm I hope sure. so. I really hope so. And they because, need it. Be, well, yeah, they do because this is a positive. <laughs> this is the first time in a long time where the Sabres have started to look like they're actually turning toward a positive direction off the highway of misery here. Like Mm -hmm. the exit lane to competitiveness looks like it's actually in front of the headlights here. And you've got to make sure that you're scouting and drafting well. I mean, hey, look up the QEW up into Canada there and take a look at their big rivals, the Maple Leafs. Look how long it took them to get, get better. They did not draft well for ages. You could almost argue the Leafs still don't really draft that well. They've got the high-end first-round guys, mm-hmm. but you look down and, I mean, who's really stepping in and contributing? Pierre Engvall, I mean, good for him. Yep. You know, it, it's it's one of those things, but the Leafs are starting to turn that around, and the Sabres are doing it too, but you've got to be able to sustain that. You have to invest in scouting. I don't care what sport we're talking about. Look what the Bills have done. Jeez, the, the Buffalo Bills are excellent at it. And they're excellent at using the money that they have available to them to fill out that roster. But you have to consistently do that. And Devin Levi, he's a guy that they're going to add to the system. I think he will sign and will be a contributor in the future. And goaltending, it's great to have depth there. Will Uka Pekalukanen turn into an NHLer? I don't know. Will Devin Levi turn into an NHLer? I don't know. But it's great to have a bunch of cards in the deck to eventually, hopefully, hit on one. You can never have too many goalies in your system. Look at the number of goalies Washington's cranked out over the years. They're a goalie factory. Neuverth, Varlamov, Holtby. Uh, Vanacek and Samsonov now, like it, they just crank goalies out of there. It's unbelievable. The Rangers, same thing. It's uh, it's a key position and a key thing to be able to scout well and supplement your roster with young guys. And you can never have too many goalies in the system. And Levi and Lukanen are both what I, what I would describe as probably B plus prospects. One of them might turn into a really good NHL goalie for you. Yep. And and you wouldn't have that opportunity yeah. if you didn't have both of them scouted and as part of your system. And they need to consistently keep doing that or this positive rise that we're seeing out of the Sabres will fade. Yeah, in the system right now, uh, according to EliteProspects.com, um, you know, the goalies that are in the system right now, Devin Levi, Eric Portillo, Aaron Dell, Michael Hauser, UPL, Ukopeka Lukanen, and then Malcolm Subban, who was you know, acquired for future considerations. 
Um, out of those guys, I mean, I think that the eyes are mostly on if they if they do get signed, if and when they do get signed, are definitely going to be Eric Portillo and Devin Levi. Like I said, there's still a lot left to be desired with Uku Pakalukanen. Yeah, um, he's you know right now he's sporting in 27 games a 351 save percentage or 351 goals against in the AHL and an 894 savers. Now, when he came with the Buffalo, he did play very well and had much better numbers in the uh, the sample size that we got. But you look at Eric Portillo, 42 games played in the NCAA, 214 save percentage and 926 save percentage. Devin Levi, 32 games played, 154 goals against and a 952 save percentage. And honestly, I think you know him not being nominated for the Hobie Baker was just criminal. But I think possibly him leaving for the Olympics, just much like Owen Power, probably did hurt his Hobie Baker chances. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. But I mean, at the same time, it's still positive for the Sabres in terms of their overall future outlook. I I agree with your assessment there about the Hobie Baker. But, um, you know, I, I just really, really hope that they're able to rely and i more mean you know don granado and and the and the general management there i really hope that they're able to rely on this ownership group to in the very least invest properly in making sure that the future pipeline of this team is consistently solid and plentiful you can never have too many prospects if you have too many prospects that turn out to be good guess what you can package them up and improve your immediate roster exactly like there's there's no doubt there's never ever been anyone ever in any sport that went geez you know what guys it sucks that we have too many good prospects what a bummer like that that's never happened ever you turn those assets into something that can help your team immediately now or you let those guys battle it out and go who's the best who wants a spot on the big club Competition is not a bad thing. And when you have a lack of it in terms of having a bunch of C or D level prospects that anybody could find in their backyard, that's really not going to help you take the next step forward. And I don't need to tell that to Buffalo fans. Look at the last decade you guys have been through. Now it seems to be turning into a positive. Let's hope that the Pagulas, because again, Terry said he'd drill another oil well. Well, drill one and invest in the scouting staff and make sure that this upward trajectory continues and doesn't explode halfway through the sky. I definitely agree. And, you know, one of the things uh, that mentions how many games will Owen Power play uh, if he does make his debut on Tuesday? Because you have to think they're not going to want to burn a year off his entry level. I think the rule is still eight games, right? It's nine games. And um, I don't know how many games Buffalo has left. What do they have, 11 or 12 games left? Yep, I believe so. Off the top of my head. It depends how he plays. I mean, if he plays extremely well off the hop, are you going to take him out of the lineup? Because, because yeah, again, there, there's a big there's a bigger discussion about this in the world of baseball with the whole service time ma- manipulation. And I, and I understand to a degree, and it's not nearly as egregious in hockey, but... If he steps in and his first four or five games, he's really, really good, like really solid, not making tons of mistakes, can still look like a rookie, but he, but he doesn't look like he's out of place. What kind of message would Donnie Meatballs be sending and the management staff if they go, if he reaches game eight or nine, still playing really well? Maybe he's a plus player. He's plus three or four or something, not making a ton of defense mm-hmm. mistakes. I mean, what kind of message does it send him 
and the other young guys to go, you know what? We want to be cheap here and save $950,000 a year from now. We got to take you out of the lineup. If he's, if it's a legit thing where he's struggling a little bit and you want to put him in the press box to watch fine. But if, if this and Sabres fans aren't dumb, if he's playing really well and everyone can see that and they bench him just to save a year, no one is going to deal with that well. And I think it would send the wrong message. Play him if he's ready. If a guy, and I, I would say this in, in baseball too, with that goofy lockout that we all just went through. If a guy is ready to play in the show, play him. Put your best lineup out. That's what I would say to that. I don't I don't disagree with you, but for me, um, just thinking long term, I know I know pe- maybe some fans won't agree, but if if you bench him for a a game or two in between, I mean, I, I just I, I'm just I'm all for trying to get him for as cheap as I can for as long as I can, especially in a salary cap era where it doesn't we don't really, I think it's going up one total of one million next year, I believe. I think they announced right. Yeah, and then it'll go up more the following year because I'm well, looking at their I'm looking at their cap friendly right now. Like let's like if the kid can play, play him. Let's not be cheap here. It one uh this coming off season, uh after 21-22, Colin Miller will be a UFA. Will Butcher will be a UFA. You've got Yoki Haru locked in for two more seasons after mm-hmm. this when uh when powers deal uh, entry level deal would expire, that would save you 2.5. Same thing with Matthias Samuelson. He's only got one more year. He'd be an RFA. Pizik's got one more year UFA like, and they already have a projected nearly just over $14 million heading into next year. Don't yeah. be cheap here. Play the kid if he's ready and, and pay him the, like the guys that are here now, they don't have a bunch of these guys locked in on the books. Even Darlene, his deal expires in two more seasons after this I think, one. I think they I have think money. Honestly, I honestly think uh, just to have, after seeing like like his resurgence, if 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 Kevin Adams is smart, you lock him up. You know, give him an extension immediately, Darlene, because I think he's just going to keep getting better and better, and it's going to start costing you more and more. The summer so, of twenty twenty three, yeah, they should probably pick up the phone and and get talking to him. 100%. 100%. I, 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 me personally, I think I'm doing it this off season. Like, I mean, maybe he doesn't want to do it, but I at least start engaging the, the agent and say, Hey, like, you know, I know the, what the bridge deal was. It was kind of him betting on himself, hoping that he could, uh, you know, you know, prove his previous numbers wrong under two different head coaches. But, uh, you know, we really want to get him locked up now on, on a long-term deal and maybe the agents for it. Maybe he's not, maybe he, realizes the, the, the steps that Darlene made this season and foresees him to continue to make those steps the next season. He's like, no, nah, maybe we'll wait till maybe mid-season next year and hopefully that number goes up. But if I'm Kevin Adams, I want to get him locked in in the offseason immediately. Just get him, get him, you know, on the team, most team-friendly number you can because uh, the better he gets and just watching him play and how much he's improved and how aggressive and how confident he is with the puck right now, it's just going to get more and more and more expensive for Buffalo the longer they wait. A hundred percent. And, and you could start talking to him about what the future maybe holds next year, but they can't officially sign him to anything until the summer of 2023. Oh, is that you the rule? To, 
you have to wait until you have one year left that that summer heading into the final year of a contract you're legally allowed to sign a guy to an extension but it has to be with one year remaining so in july of 2023 heading into 2324 which is the final year of his deal at 6 mil per they could officially start talking about a contract extension and sign it if both parties were willing to do that. But if he reaches his ceiling of what we all expected him to as he turns 25, 26 and becomes that big, big weapon, which it looks like he is, it would be a huge win for Buffalo if you could get him for sub 10 million because we've seen some guys like the Dowdies and the Carlsons of the world who earned that after many years of playing really, really great. If they could get him for sub 10 based on what he looks like he's doing, which is this going up, that would be a win in my opinion for Buffalo. I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we're about five minutes away from Kevin Adams addressing the media. So, you know, we won't, we won't keep people on for too much longer. Ryan, I know you got to get ready to go because you got a game in Guelph tonight for the OHL. Uh, uh, no worries. No worries. No worries. How, how, how long of a drive is it? Oh, it's only an hour from my place. Oh, that's not terrible. Yeah, it's a quick drive to the rink. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, today's a big day. I can't wait to hear what Kevin Adams has to say uh, to the media, what we'll hear, you know, you know, when he'll debut. I got a lot of a lot of people seem to think it'll be on um, on Tuesday against the Leafs, which in a perfect world, I hope that is when it is. I hope that's an RJ game. I hope that's one of the games we get Rick Janaret, the absolute legend oh. of calling. And personally, it should be. It should be. I hope even if it isn't, they make arrangements to make it an RJ game because it should be. Like you, you that Rick Janaret should be calling Owen Powers uh first game as a Buffalo Saber. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I agree. And and can I just say on that note, like the thing they did for RJ the other night was so awesome. Like oh, it's great. He he is Buffalo. When you think of Buffalo sports and broadcasting, you hear his voice. Like he I don't know if like people know this. I mean, yeah, like I'm a Caps fan. I and I love Joe Beninati and all those guys. When I was a kid, like Rick Jenneret was one of the guys, maybe the main guy that like really inspired me to get into play by play. And I definitely like have because I listened to so much of him as a kid, especially when cousin Chris was playing for the team too, like it just added extra incentive to watch listening to him for so long. I definitely adopted more of that, like excitable play-by-play style. Yeah. Like the goal, the goal calls that, and, and the highlight calls just on saves Miller time, Dominic Kasich were not worthy. I did it last night. I was calling a junior C game last night on the radio and I busted out the, we're not worthy. Like he, like he has so many iconic calls. And I mean, of course my favorite being when Chris scored that big OT winner, I think yeah. it was against the Rangers. Who else? That year. Who else? Chris, Chris Drury in overtime. It's the best dude. Like I, I get my hair stands up like thinking about that. And like, I was in tears watching the, the ceremony. Like it was emotional. Like that guy is a hero of mine. And to see him honored that way was really, really special. Agreed. Um, again, uh, just wrapping up here, it's 3.57. I do, again, I know Kevin Adams plans to go live uh, here very shortly. Owen Power, officially a Buffalo Sabre, uh, signed his entry three-year entry-level contract, um, you know, not even 24 hours after, you know, losing in the semifinal to Denver. 
uh, for the Frozen Four, which was a huge disappointment because I think it would have went a long way for his Ryan Johnson, who also uh, Ryan Johnson and Aaron Aaron Huglin both losing for um, Minnesota as well last night, which was unexpected. I thought they would take it uh, to the state. I I thought for sure they would pull that one out and uh, end up being very lopsided. And, uh, you know, having, having four guys go down, uh, on the same night, you know, very disappointing as a Sabres fan. Cause I thought in terms of development, playing in those high pressure situations would have really, really helped their development, Brian. For sure. But the flip side of the coin is to, to turn it into a silver lining for you is maybe now they see the positive strides being made in Buffalo, and they all go, boy, I would love to make that team and be part of a turnaround and never experience crap like this again. That's you, uh, that's the flip side. Very true. Do you do you know much about Aaron Hugland? I, I think maybe they've spoken about him before. I haven't watched. I haven't been able to watch a ton of his games. I don't know a ton about him as a prospect, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I know he's got a, a lot of ability and that they're pretty high on him and they would like to get him involved in the system and he, i i think that you know based on some things i read about him that they they think he could probably be an ahl or next year best case so scenario so it's just again like i said with the with the prospect rant i went on you you just can't have too many of them no like get get them all get them all involved see what you have and have guys that are hungry to crack that sabers lineup yep and some of the players that they do have in their system right now, uh, Oliver Nadeau uh, with the uh, Shawnigan. Shawnigan uh, Cataracts. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, plays right center and right wing. You have Tyler Kozak with the Portland Winterhawks. And He's a good player. He's a good player. Josh Bloom with Saginaw. Um, good player. And then J.J. Paterka is in Rochester. Uh, Alexander Kisikov with uh, the MHK uh, Dynamo and the uh, MHL also played for the Dynamo and the KHL. Uh, and then obviously you have Jack Quinn who has really lit uh, the AHL on fire this season. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he, very good. I, that's where I think he makes Victor Olsen a guy that you maybe falls out of your top six uh, next year because I think Jack Quinn does everything Victor Olsen does. Maybe he doesn't have as dangerous of a shot. But, you know, he is a guy that, you know, can be dangerous from that same spot and has a, probably a better 200-foot game than Victor Olsen. 50 points in 35 games for uh, for the Rochester Americans. Uh, Arturo Salainen, who I believe committed to going back to Europe uh, yep. recently. Uh, Ethan Prow, not really much there. I know he had uh, 41, uh, 41, actually, you know, 41 points in 60 games. I Actually, that's pretty good, pretty solid season for uh, – for the defenseman in Rochester. Um, actually, I, I think I thought he he had some NHL games under his belt this year. He may have even scored for Buffalo. Um, Ethan Prow. Yeah, he is 29 years old. Yeah, he's been a bit of a suitcase. But uh other notable names too, though, that in there in the system, you know, Brett Murray, um, Ryan Johnson, uh uh Recent draft pick, uh, Isaac Rosen, uh, over in the uh, SA, he plays in the SHL, um, over in Europe, and then, uh, you know, guys like Paltapoff, and then you obviously already have Peyton Krebs here in the NHL, who's been a huge surprise. I don't know if anybody expected him to be the player he is right now, um, for Buffalo, but he's been a really big breath of fresh air. 
Um, and then again, Aaron Hugel, who had 16 points in 37 games, the freshman uh, for uh, for the University of Minnesota. And then Matias Samuelson is uh, a mainstay now in Buffalo. Huge surprise. I think a lot of people have been very, very, very excited about the way he's been able to play. A huge stay-at-home defenseman, a guy who could play top four minutes. Extremely excited to see him play and him to continue to develop. Um, just like I said, those are just a few names that are in the system right now when you talk about prospects. Yeah, and Samuelson, you're right. He has been really impressive. Kind of a guy that I think popped people off guard and came out of nowhere, but just meat and potatoes, no nonsense. Like he, he reminds me a little bit of Anton Strawman, just and, and and a little meaner than Strawman, but just no nonsense. Separate a man from the puck, lean on a guy in the corner, take the puck away, and get it out quickly. And he's really effective at it. Like he he looks like he's carving himself out a pretty permanent spot in an NHL lineup and probably could be in Buffalo for a really long time if he continues to play like that. I couldn't agree with you more um, for sure. Now I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to take off now because I know you said you got to get going, uh, but I uh, want to be able to catch this uh, Kevin Adams press conference, which should be starting momentarily if it hasn't already started. Ryan, uh, thanks for coming through for me as always uh, to hop on uh, for episode 94 of two goalies when Mike uh, Owen power officially a Buffalo Sabre. Ryan, again, thank you. Uh, I am Dwayne for Johnny Cullen. This has been episode 94 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Make sure you subscribe on all of our platforms between YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Trainwreck Sports, too, as well. Uh, you can find a lot of great content there. And be sure to check out Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Rim Boulevard in Buffalo. Uh and, you know, I'll hang up and listen and you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies on Mike, a show where we give you a behind the mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.